it is a very precious Sunday this morning, and it's Pentecost Sunday, uh, where we remember what the outpouring of the Holy Spirit um, that's for that happened in the book of Acts. So I'd love to just share around that this morning, and I hope it's going to be something that's going to encourage us and build us up uh, as a church. Um, so... I always think that there's two things um, that we as Christians should be concerned about. Uh, the one thing is that we should be concerned about the state of the world that we live in, and we should also be concerned about the state of the church that we've called to be part of and to help build. And I suppose it just you just need to watch the news or read the news on your phone uh, and you see that the world that we live in and the people we encounter daily are filled with troubles, are often overcome with hopelessness. Uh, we're living in a world that is full of confusion and over the centuries, a world that's been trying to solve its own problems, but with no with no resolve. The second, the first world war was the war, war to end all wars, and then we had the second world war. Uh, our world is not able to remedy itself. I really want to say this morning that the only hope for our world is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the business of the church, to tell the world of the great and glorious salvation which is in Christ Jesus. He is the only hope of the world. There is no hope in humans. Uh, I know that there are many great and powerful and amazing people, but in the end, our hope is in the Son of God. And our business as the church is to represent him, to glorify him among the people of the world, to magnify his name, to show them the excellencies of his person and his great salvation. That is our business. And we alone do that in the world. And yet the church seems in very many ways to be weak and ineffective in this modern world and so filled with its own troubles. You just have to see uh, terrible stories and, and discouragements of how the church is struggling even within its own ranks. The worldly context that the apostles and the disciples of the early church found themselves in was actually very similar to ours. We recognize the sin and the moral degradation that was written in, about in the New Testament. And yet we find that just a few, a handful of men and women, were able not only to impact the world, but to influence it profoundly. And you think of that ragtag bunch of disciples and on Pentecost, how that grew to 3,000. And from that point, when the church became persecuted, they spread out all across the known world and began to change and impact the, what God was, uh, through what God was doing. And the explanation of that, of course, was what happened uh, when they were all baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 1 verse 8, we are reminded of Jesus' words. He says, you shall receive power and you shall be my witnesses. And the primary object of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to build the church 
and to be witnesses for Christ. That's why God pours out his Holy Spirit on the church. And it's this very great commission that Jesus gives us that he promises also to equip us and enable us to fulfill. He doesn't just say, go and change the world, but he gives us the enabling and the equipping to do it. And I think over the centuries, there's many Christians that have gone out and heeded this call and gone in, in great faithfulness. But God says for such a task, we need a great empowerment. We need to be able to know the power of the Holy Spirit for this task. And so in Acts chapter 2, and I know in our evening service, we, we're working through the book of Acts, and we'll be coming to this passage in more detail. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, we read about what happened on that amazing festival of Pentecost all those years ago. And it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived. Now, interestingly, Pentecost is a, a later term that is from the Greek uh, translation, but basically after the Passover, 50 days after the Passover, they had a festival which was often called the festival of wheat or the festival of weeks because it was 50, uh, the number of weeks after the Passover. And interestingly, when Jesus, remember he died on the Passover and he was resurrected and it was exactly 40 days after his resurrection that he ascended into heaven. And 10 days later, this Pentecost event happened. And it wasn't planned like this, but it so happened that it came on this festival, this Pentecost festival, 50 days after the Passover. So God was fulfilling a whole lot of promises in the, in the Old Testament by the, this coming of the Holy Spirit on this specific day. Um, so it says that they were all gathered together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared on them and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I don't know that about you, but that would be a pretty crazy meeting to be in. The wind starts blowing. You think, who left the windows open? What's happening? And the next minute you look around and you start hitting someone's head because you see their heads on fire. And then you realize, oh, it's happening to everyone. And then one by one, people start to sing and speak in languages that are not their own. I mean, that's a pretty crazy meeting, don't you think? to be part of. But this is what happened. It is the first account of the outpouring of the Spirit during that Pentecost festival. And uh, it was that suddenly the Holy Spirit made himself present amongst the believers in a tangible way. They could hear a wind. They saw flames of fire resting on everyone's head and they began to speak in new languages. Today, I want to speak uh, about that uh, um, 
sense that we can too know and experience. Maybe we're not going to see tongues of flame. Maybe we're not going to hear a rushing wind. But we too, as believers, can experience and know that wonderful presence and outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he gives through that for his church today. And uh, I believe that there are two simple reasons we can know that God still wants to do that pouring out of his spirit on his church today, as he did there in the book of Acts. And uh, you'll see as we go through the series on Acts um, in the evening meeting, there were a number of occasions, and I don't have time to unpack that now, where the Holy Spirit came and poured himself out on people as they were gathered together. It wasn't just that moment. There were a number of times when that happened again. And two reasons while we know that this baptism of the Spirit, this pouring out of the Holy Spirit is for us today. The first thing is because we have to ask the question, has the whole world been saved? No, the whole world has not been saved. Do we still need to be empowered as Christians to be witnesses for Jesus? Absolutely. And therefore, we need all the help we can get from the Holy Spirit. And the second question that we really need to ask is, is the church mature and perfect? Well, you don't have to be part of local church for long to see that we all are on a journey to becoming like Christ, but none of us is there yet. Yet the answer is that we as a church desperately need the empowering and the gifts of the Spirit if we to become the healed and whole community that God intends for us to be and to be those bold witnesses into the broken world. So in the New Testament and indeed in the whole Bible, we are taught that the baptism of the Spirit is attended by certain gifts. And when I say a baptism, we know that when people are baptized into water, the baptismo, the word means to be fully immersed in the water. And so this speaks about a full immersion of the Holy Spirit. Come and coming to presence himself. It is like a baptism in water, but a baptism where the Holy Spirit comes and he fills us with his presence in a very tangible way. Um, And we read this in Joel, in his prophecy, which Peter quotes to explain what was happening at Pentecost in Acts 2 verse 17. He, He quotes Joel and he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all peoples, Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. You see, we live now in those last days. And since Pentecost, we've been seeing this power poured out over the ages, over the church. It is just a beautiful and wonderful thing. Now, I know you might come in your journey from different church um, backgrounds. Maybe some churches that you've been part of have really celebrated this thing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And for some churches, maybe there's been an acknowledgement of it, but not necessarily a practice of it. And we've always said here at Forest Town, we have these two things that we love. We love the Word of God and we love the Holy Spirit. And we want to see both those wonderful um, experiences 
expressions of the life of God working out and in and through our community and our time together. So today I want to just unpack some of how the Word of God explains this beautiful thing, how the Holy Spirit comes and fills us, empowers us, and enables us for the life He calls us to. Um, so one of the things I like to do is I like to speak about the, the gifts of the Spirit, which come as a result of that baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I like to divide them into three types or three kinds of spiritual gifts. Um, I want to speak about motivational gifts. I want to speak about ministry gifts and then manifestational gifts. Um, they're not, those are not how the, it's necessarily unpacked and explained in Scripture. Paul doesn't use those specific words, but they're just helpful for us to try and understand how those, those different gifts work in the church and how we can see how God is using them in our own lives. So when I talk about motivational gifts, I'm really looking at 1 Peter 4, verse 10, where Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in all its various forms. And so when we talk about these motivational gifts, these are gifts that are given to us by the Father. It says that God gives these grace gifts to his church. They are grace gifts in the sense that you can't earn them. You can't say, oh, I've done this and this and this, and now God's going to give me this gift. This is just his blessing on you as, as his child. He comes and he says, I know what gift I've called you to, and I'm, I'm putting this in. It's the wisdom and the pleasure of God that he gives these gifts to us. And the reason why I call it a motivational gift is because it's the kind of gift um, that moves us and compels us to live out the specific calling on our lives. And, and these gifts sometimes even shape our personality. They're intrinsic to who we are. They're the things that you just feel like you have to do this because that's what God has put in your, in your heart. This is something that the Holy Spirit does. He he births that in us. These are motivational gifts. And we read again about that in Romans 12, verse 3 to 8. It says, For the, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So here we see that Paul explains that God gives a measure of faith to each of us, and he says that we are to regard ourselves in the light of how God has gifted us. And we cautioned not to think more highly of ourselves on the one hand, but on the other hand, to be sober and mindful of what God has entrusted to us and to be faithful with this gift. Now, some of you might be thinking, I know exactly what my motivational gift is. It's the thing that pumps in my lifeblood and I just, I'm so excited when I can, maybe for some of you there's a, a sense you want to just go out and tell people about Jesus. It's just so exciting. It's something that you, you can't stop doing. Whenever you go anywhere, that's all you do. Or maybe you are a, a compassionate, mercy-hearted person and whenever you see someone in need, your heart, your heart strings get pulled and you just go and help that person. That, that's a motivational gift. You can't, you can't help yourself. It's part of how God has wired you. 
and we'll unpack some of what those are. But uh, just in verse 4 of that uh, uh, passage, it just says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You see, God compares this body, this family, to a physical body. And just as we have an eye and a hand, and they've got very, very different functions, um, so too does God the Father give different motivational gifts to the church so that we can function together as a unit. Each of us doing our part, not for ourselves, but for the health and strength of the local church, of the body. Isn't that wonderful? We just have to look around, and I get the privilege to see all of you, all the beautiful motivational gifts that God has birthed into you. That's part of your calling. That's part of how God has wired you. And God has brought you to this place so that you can have a space to work out and live that beautiful calling on your life, whether it be into your work or into this church or into the community. God has put a burning thing inside of each of us. And it goes on in verse 6, it says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, it's not an exhaustive list. Those are some of the things uh, that Paul mentions. Um, there's many, many more. But these seven motivational gifts are all needed for the church to function in a really healthy way. And that's why Paul exhausts us to use these gifts and not just to acknowledge that we have them. They, they are meant to be lived out. They're meant to be practiced so that we can be a blessing to others. So I'm going to just unpack some of those and maybe you think, yes, that's me. Or maybe none of these speak to you. Or maybe you think, it's all three of, the, three of those speak to me. But there's, there's, it's about finding that thing that God has called you to, that motivational gift that he gives when you become his child. And it often can tie in with your natural gifts as well. So he speaks about prophesying. So it's like a gift to, to perceive things, one who can understand what God is doing and, and uh, able to discern God's heart for a person or a situation. And Paul says this should be done in accordance with the measure of faith that God gives us. We don't start, we think, oh, my gift is to prophesy. So we don't start saying outrageous things that we don't have faith to say. We, we prophesy according to the level of faith and confidence we have that we've heard God. That's how he says we prophesy. And then he speaks about a server, which is like a doer. And one who loves to serve others through practical uh, acts of helpfulness and, and uh, kindness. And I know there's so many people in here where I see that beautiful gift operating where you step in and just help and support. There's a teacher, one who loves to study and to understand so that others can be equipped and enabled. Uh, there's an exhorter, an encourager, 
these are those positive people who you just love to have around. And when you, after you've been with them, you just think, ha, oh, I can take on the world. <laughs> and I know we have many of those in our community. Uh, there is the, the giver or the contributor, uh, one who gives their time, their talent, their energy. And I know these are for all of us to do, not just, but there's some people that just can't help themselves. They want to bless. They want to give. They want to, and, and Paul says, if that's how God has wired you, then do it generously. Don't, don't hold back, but trust me to be your provider as you, as you give generously. And then we have um, an administrator. So, I mean, I know Alex is our administrator, which is her wonderful job, and she does that really, really well. But even this, this word administrator is like a facilitator or a leader, someone who loves to organize and direct and lead and uh, helps to make things happen um, and helps to give direction and lead people in a direction. And it says if you have that gift, then, then do it diligently. Don't become lazy and... and uh, just not do it, but give it all you all and be faithful with that gift. And then we have the gift of mercy or compassion, where you are able, you're just wired to show love and care to those in need. And uh, does not the world and the church need such beautiful people who um, give sacrificially to see others encouraged? And Paul says, if you are wired in that way, if that's your gift, then do it cheerfully. Don't go, oh, can't believe another person that is. No, we, we go like, yes, I'm so happy I can bless and minister and give cheerfully into that area. And because doesn't Paul say, he says, don't grow weary in doing good because in due time you will receive a reward. So all, all of us, let's not grow weary in being compassionate, in being merciful. So at Forest Town, we just see how God is bringing and adding so many wonderful people with different motivational gifts. <coughs> with different motivational gifts. Uh, thank you. <clears throat> uh, what was I saying? God is bringing so many different people with such amazing motivational gifts. And um, because, and as a leadership team, we really want to release people into the areas uh, where they can work out that passion and heartbeat that God has put inside them. And sometimes, you know, it can take a while for us to find what is my motivational gift? What is the thing that I'm passionate about? Um, and one of the ways that's really helpful to find out what that thing is, is to really just ask people that know you well. And they will tell you, because for you, it's just so normal. You just think that's what everyone's like. But I promise you, not everyone's like you. <laughs> you have a wonderful, unique gifting, and you just need to ask the people who know you well. And they'll say, I see that on you. I see that on you. So maybe that's a little thing to do when you get home or often in coffee time and say, you know me well. What do you think? 
And maybe it's someone who doesn't even really know you well, but they've seen you just doing that in the life of the church. You'll be surprised, or you might just feel like, oh, yes, I did think that, and now I know. <laughs> and uh, God, will, God will make it clear to you. But that thing, we all want to get out, in the, more, out of bed in the morning with a sense of purpose, don't we? And that is something that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he ignites it with a freshness and a passion so that we can live out what he's wired us for, what he's called us for. So that's the first kinds of, of gifting, okay? So I'm hoping that everyone here will be able to say, God, yes. I want to just run with that thing you've put in my heart, that motivational gift. But then Paul also speaks about another group of gifts that come as a result of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And these are called, uh, calling them ministry gifts. And we read about these in Ephesians chapter 4 uh, from verse 11 to 13. And verse 11 it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So when we talk about ministry gifts, these are ministry gifts that it says are given to us by Jesus and they are gifts in the form of people, people who are a gift, men and women, who operate in a specific office or a specific anointing, and their, their role is to equip the church. And I know Anne sometimes says they are like preaching gifts, and you know what that gift is because when they preach, they operate in that kind of area that are, of those different areas, which I'll unpack a bit more. So... God not only gives everyone in the church a heart motivational gift, he also then raises up and calls specific people and says, now I want you to be this to my church, to help equip my church. And within a, a local church, sometimes you have some of those um, gifts. We, sometimes they're called fivefold gifts. Sometimes the church might have one or two, and then sometimes we need to invite someone in to come and minister in an area because so we can be built up and equipped in maybe we, if in an area that we, we're needing to grow in. So I use my hand to help remember all these different gifts. So the apostles, and we're not talking about the 12 disciples who were the original apostles. This is more apostles with a small a. So I know like some people like to walk around calling themselves apostle so-and-so. Uh, we're not into the, that kind of prophet so-and-so. No, we just Anton, Helen, and Clive, and Johnny, and Alex, we're in and I'm going to say all your names, but we are just ourselves, and then God um, uses us. So if you think of apostles as the thumb, they are those who help to ground the church in good, solid foundations of the gospel of Jesus. You know, they, they just, the church isn't built on shaky foundations. There's a really good, deep, 
solid foundation of the gospel. And, and I just like Ant has done that so well in this church. He's really laid a good, solid foundation of the gospel. They're, they're master builders who help establish the church in good government and help to plant new churches. And if you see, think of that as the thumb, it touches all the other gifts. You need that gift in place in order to release the other gifts. And then the second is the prophets. It says the apostles and the prophets. And the prophets are those who discern the heart and purposes of God in a given season. And if we use this finger, it's uh, like they point the way. <laughs> they are those that um, they exhort, they comfort, they encourage the church into the promises of God. So that's the prophetic gift. And uh, I want to say all of these gifts... Uh, of people, um, they're often recognized beyond just the local church. They are recognized within a given sphere of uh, a broader than just the local church. And then the third thing is the evangelists, which is the middle finger, and I'm holding it up like that, <laughs> because it's the longest finger, <laughs> because it spearheads the way for us to go and save the lost. And uh, those who evangelists are those who've been gripped by God to see the, the gospel preached to the lost. And very often when this gift operates in the church, people feel equipped to go and share the gospel. It's not about the evangelist getting everyone saved. No, the evangelist comes and tells us how to get everyone saved so we can go live that. But whenever an evangelist preaches, often people get saved. And then the fourth one is this finger, which is the ring finger, which is the pastors, which represents covenantal relationship. And pastors are those that disciple and strengthen believers in their walk with God. They walk alongside people, um, and, but they also at the same time point them to Jesus as the one that they're learning to make the source of their healing and their confidence. It's not becoming a codependent relationship. It's actually about saying, come, I'll come alongside you so that you can find Jesus who's your strength and your enabler and your comforter. So that's the, the pastors. And then we, the teachers are the ones that get in your ear. That's why it's the little finger. And those are the ones that help ground us in the Word of God as a plumb line for our lives by helping us to understand the gospel and the scriptures and apply it to our everyday lives. So maybe in your church experience, you can think of people in those different gifts, the apostle, the prophet pointing the way, the evangelist spearheading us towards the lost, the pastor, when the pastor preaches, you just feel loved and supported. And the, the teacher who just helps you understand God's word and you go, ah, oh, I wondered about that and now I know. That's the, that's the teaching gift. So these ministry gifts are chosen by Jesus and they're confirmed by the local church and the wider church. And their primary function is to build up and equip believers to serve in their motivational gifts and to build up the church so that it can be effective, so that it can be unity, and that we can be mature. 
Okay, so we've got motivational gifts, that's our heartbeats, ministry gifts, which is people that God gives to build up and equip the church and re release the church into ministry. And then the third area of gifting is manifestational gifts. I'd like to explain it like that. And manifestational gifts are sometimes accompanied when people are baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. We see these gifts manifesting themselves. That's why I've put it like that. They, they display themselves when there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I would like to say that about the manifestational gifts is that, and as I unpack these verses, you'll see, is that that is for all of us. Everyone who's filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit can operate in these gifts, okay? So they are more in a moment, at a specific point in time, what is God needing? And you put up your hand and say, God, use me. He will use you. It's about being available. It's about listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to work in you and through these gifts through you. Okay, so it's not like, and some people have uh, some areas of these giftings they, they have God has used them more specifically in. So like for myself, like the, the gift of prophecy is a very prominent gift for me because that's something God has built and I've grown in that over the years. But some people, like I'm thinking of Reagan, Reagan at the back there, God has used him wonderfully in healing because you'll have to share your testimony sometime, Regan, of how God healed you. But out of that, God has brought a wonderful desire to pray for people for healing. But there's different, the, we can all pray for healing. God wants us to all walk in these gifts according to listening to his voice. So we read about them in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 to 11. And it says in, uh, in verse 1, it says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, these manifestational gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. And un I think so often in the church, we can get skewed views of these gifts and we get a little nervous of them or we just say, just let's not do them or maybe they get used in ways that are not helpful. And Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about these gifts. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you're influenced and led astray to mute idols. So just to first of all say about those things is these manifestational gifts of given to us by the Holy Spirit. Uh, they accompany the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says that we are not to be ignorant about these special gifts, what they are, how they work, and how the Holy Spirit intends for what the Holy Spirit intends for them to accomplish. And he goes on verse three, he says, therefore I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So when these gifts are operating, they always point to Jesus. They always bring glory to Jesus. They're not about making that person seem amazing. They always, when they operate it in a beautiful way, they always point to Jesus himself. And verse 4 says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. I love that those three verses because some 
sometimes people say that Paul doesn't overtly speak about the Trinity, but there we have the beautiful way that he brings the Trinity, the Spirit, the Lord Jesus, and God the Father, all three mentioned in one few little verses there, showing that these are all expressions of, of the Godhead. So when the manifestation gifts operate in our times together, we mustn't think that because they are different from each other, they can't all be from the same Holy Spirit. They are. There's different ways of working, but it's the same Spirit. It's the same God. It's the same Lord who's, who's commissioning those things. And in verse 7, it says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And the reason why the Holy Spirit gives these gifts to the church is because it's for our well-being. It's for our good. It's so that we can be built up and strengthened as a community and as believers. Um, and these gifts can operate, as I said, through any believer at any time based on our availability and cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And as we become sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and as we learn to listen to his voice and allow him to use us, we'll see these gifts begin to operate more and more fully in, in our times together. So I'm going to just now look at verses 8 to 11, which says what these gifts are. Um, and then just unpack them a little. And then I would be wonderful if we can just have a time of praying for God to come and minister to us in these different ways. So in verse 8, it says, To one, it, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message or word of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. And all of these are the work of the one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. I like to think of the Holy Spirit like a conductor of an orchestra. And all of us are sharpening our instruments. And we're tuning our instruments. And then we're all making these funny, you know, when you go and you see in the orchestra pit, they all go making all these funny noises. And you think, can this become a good noise? And so that is like how the Holy Spirit is. And we come into our time of worship together and we're all going, and then the Holy Spirit begins to move and he begins to work his way and, he's, and he starts to prompt and he suddenly prompts Jill. He says, Jill, I want you to go up to the front and tell Aunt that God has some people he wants to heal. And you go, oh, I can't do that, God. And the Holy Spirit says, Jill, I want you to go and tell Aunt. And Jill says, oh, I feel stupid. What if it's wrong? Well, I want to say, don't worry about that, because that is the role of the elders to decide if it's the right thing for that meeting. You just have to do your part and say, I've got and then what happens is, as the elders 
are reading the meeting, and that's a skill that they learn because that's a, a, how God helps them to protect and, and guard the church. They'll say, I think that thing that Jill brought is right for now. And then we feel God wants to heal some things. And then Quirbus gets a word that God says, I feel God's got a, a word of knowledge that someone's got a broken knee. <laughs> and then Quirbus comes and says, yes, I also felt something. And then, then we call up people with broken knees and five people come up and then... Some people who have a gift of healing say, I want to pray for those knees. And that's how it works. And then it becomes this, that's something very nice. Not, not that. Anyway, you get the, the meaning. We, the Holy Spirit will bring out the different things you play now, and then he brings it all together. So, yes. So, so when we look at these different gifts, I like to unpack them in, in three different groups. So there's revelatory gifts, proclamation gifts, and power gifts. So revelatory gifts are those where we, we, God speaks to us and we learn to hear his voice and we understand he's saying this and then we, we understand he's revealing something to us. So the message of wisdom, now you might think, all these are strange names, but I'm sure many of you have used this gift and you don't even know it. So a message of wisdom is, say you're talking to your friend and your friend comes and tells you this big problem that they have and you're listening and you go, I have no idea what to say right now. And then you pray and you go, Holy Spirit, help Give me wisdom from heaven so I know what word I could give this person to encourage them right now. And then while you're sitting there, this thought comes into your mind. You don't know where it comes from, but it is just such a simple little thing. And you share it with your friend, and it unlocks that whole situation. That is a word of wisdom or message of wisdom. It's wisdom from heaven. It's not your own clever thinking. It's not your own experience. It comes just by the Holy Spirit, and it get, you just have clarity to speak into that situation. And a word of knowledge, um, this is where you have also, it's not, it's not something that you know in your head. This is something the Holy Spirit comes as you learn to listen to his voice. He says, like our example with Quirbus, with the knee. He says, there are people here with sore knees and I want to heal them today. That's a word of knowledge. It's something um, I've, I've had, uh, got lots of other stories of, um, uh, there's not enough time. Of this gift operate. I mean, if you think of Jesus when he was at the well with a Samaritan woman and he says, go and call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And then he says, I know that you've been married five times. Jesus had a word of, of knowledge. He knew about her life and before she even told him about anything about her life. And that's often how that gift just can unlock things for people um, so that they can respond to God's work in their lives. And then discerning of spirits. Um, I know in, in the UK we, and in the West, we don't often emphasize 
praying for people for deliverance from the demonic. I think when I lived in Africa, there was a lot more uh, of that was much more visible um, in ministry times. But I don't necessarily think it's just to see is there a demonic spirit on a person. Um, but this is more like when you're praying for someone and you sense this person is really grieving or this person has a, a spirit of re rejection or this person has a spirit of loneliness and it helps you to minister that to that person in a way that has that empathy and that sensitivity because God has helped you discern what is what what that person needs so that's like the discerning of spirits they're revelatory gifts and then we have the proclamation gifts prophecy is where you hear from God uh, a word to encourage comfort or build up okay uh, the old testament prophets would bring judgment and say you have done this and now God is going to come and breathe fire on you that is not how prophecy operates in the New Testament. It is to come in comfort, to encourage, to build up. And all of us can find a word, can hear an encouraging scripture, can bring something that builds and encourages others. And we can all do that. We can all say, God, give me one, something like that. And then we've got speaking in different tongues. Um, and that's just such a wonderful gift. I highly I love I love the gift of tongues, but maybe not everyone has the gift of tongues, and that's also okay. Uh, but if you would love to have the gift of tongues, I highly recommend it. We'd love to pray for you. It's just the most fantastic gift. Oh, because when you pray in the gift in tongues, you're able to hear the heart of God and and pray with a, a spiritual language that helps you pray when you don't know what to pray. You can just pray God's words. It's, it's just really, really beautiful. So if you want to receive that gift, love to pray for you. Um, but and not everyone does receive that gift. That's also okay. It's, you don't have to have that gift, and you're not more spiritual if you don't, okay, or if you do. And that's the way it is. And then interpretation of tongues. You'll notice sometimes in our meetings, someone might come and sing or bring a, a tongue that is spoken out, not just something you're praying to yourself. And sometimes God does that because it's a little bit strange, isn't it? If someone just starts speaking a strange language, it's a little bit strange. And sometimes he does it because he's really trying to catch our attention and he wants us to hear what he's saying in a, in a very specific way. But that gift is always accompanied by an interpretation of the tongue. So God might give someone else the interpretation of what that means or the person who brought the tongue as well. And then the last two gifts, and I know I'm going, these are all sermons in themselves, so I'm just giving them an overview. Uh, the last three are faith, and that's where you, it's supernatural faith. It's not the faith that you have for your everyday life. Uh, this is when you need faith in a very, very big way for a specific situation or for healing or a, a, a is something that there's a dangerous situation. There's a faith that rises up that is an anointing. In that moment, the Holy Spirit comes on you and you can have assurance of for something. And the gifts of healing, that's so wonderful when we see 
God calls us to lay hands on and to pray for the sick. And we know of that Sunday school song. Do you remember? I won't sing it. Don't worry. Peter and John went to pray. They met a layman on the way. Do you remember that song? No. Uh, he asked for alms and they held out his palms. And this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, said he, but such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And that's what God calls us to do. In a moment, he will give that anointing and that gifting that you can actually pray and see people brought into a place of healing. And then miraculous powers. I, I've only had one thing which I think was rather miraculous, um, uh, was, and it was a gift of healing, was when I was uh, newly married and we went out on a mission trip um, and we went to this church and they asked everyone to pray for people for healing. So I'm, I was, what, 25 or 6, I don't know, I thought great, I'll pray for people. And uh, this lady came to me and she said, um, I'm blind, can you pray for me? And I thought, God, you don't do, like, this is just my first time I'm praying for people. It's not an easy one if someone's blind. And anyway, so I started praying for this um, lady and I was watching her and her eyes were like flickering, like mm, going like, like this, and I'm going, oh, what's, what's happening? And I just kept praying, and her eyes were flickering and flickering, and then the next minute, she had tears running down, and she said, and then she said, I, I can see. <laughs> and she said she could see this blurry light coming through. And uh, as we started praying, she just, her sight got more and more. I mean, I just, to this day, I just think like, I, I, I don't know what I was doing. I was being faithful, but God came and he brought that gift of healing uh, to, with a, a mustard seed of faith. He came and brought that wonderful gift of healing. And there was this, this woman's eyes. Uh, I mean, I just, yeah, to this day, it was just an amazing story. So for me, that was a miraculous and the healing happening together. But when God gives us these gifts of the Holy Spirit, he wants us to come and to grow in confidence. And so we really want to see this church built up in this. Uh, the Lord has wonderful plans for Forest Town Church. He wants us to be a healthy, powerful, and effective church. So we value key ministry gifts of men and women who are able to equip us for works of service and to bring us to maturity. But he also wants us to enjoy our motivational gifts that he's placed within us so that we can live out our destiny that he has for us and enjoy the inheritance that he has for us as a church. And he wants us to experience the power of his Holy Spirit as they did in that Pentecost time when the Holy Spirit poured himself out through these manifestational gifts as evidence of that presence, that abiding presence and empowering of the Holy Spirit. Um, so has, he wants to commission us and he wants to release us. There are, there are some people here that God is raising into those ministry gifts and God is putting a stirring and a calling on your life for that. And there's some of us here that God is saying, I put something in you, but you're, you've just lost confidence. 
I want you to step out with boldness in that gift that I've put on you. You know, one of the things, uh, and it's interesting, and speaking on this similar thing in our Acts series tonight, but one of the things that happens when the Holy Spirit comes on us is boldness to go and do the things that God calls us to, to do. If you are the most introvert person in the world, there is hope because God can override our personality and bring us into a place where we can speak with conviction and boldness in ways we thought, that's just not me. You know, maybe, maybe you're the bull in the china shop. God says, I can bring a sensitivity and a, a beautiful mercy and compassion to speak into situations that you didn't think you could do. God doesn't matter what our personality is. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, and he comes and does that in us and through us. And um, I just, uh, in preparing for this morning, I was looking at some of the prophetic words uh, that God has spoken over this church, and I found this one that was um, I, I brought to the church in 2018. And I just wanted to read it this morning. And can I, uh, Johnny, do you mind just coming on the keyboard? And then we'll have the band just now. Um, but I just wanted to, to read this prophetic word out again. Because, you know, the timing of God, it's not like if he gives you a prophetic word, it has to happen now. It's a working out. And maybe you just want to close your eyes and listen to this word that I feel God is still doing in this church community. And it says this, it says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I know the plans that I have for you, Maria and Eleanor. Plans to prosper you and give you success, not plans to harm you. I am the God of compassion. I do not swerve to the right or to the left. I am the unchanging God. As I was in the past, I am now and I will continue to be. When I look at my people, I see your pain. I see your struggles. your disappointments, your hopes and your dreams. I am the God who sees all. I am not far off, but I am close to the brokenhearted. I will be your healing balm. I will be your joy and your hope. I will be your courage and your strength. I will never leave you or reject you for you are my child these are the days of thunder clouds black with rain these are the days when you will smell the coming rain of my spirit there will be a downpour of my spirit into your hearts no longer will you plod and strive but instead you will run with the swiftness of the deer no longer will your hearts and minds be parched and dry, for you will know my love and my good plans. You will be my hands, my feet, my mouth to speak, live, and go where I will show you.
this will be the season of the latter rains to ready my church for the harvest. Do not stop to look back for I'm doing a new thing. I will take that which is broken, that which is downtrodden, that which is despised, and I will make for myself a holy people consecrated unto me. You will become a people of passion, a people hungry for my honor, filled with a zeal for my purposes. Let go of that to which I have not called you to walk into. Surrender your plans to me and see what I will do. I will make your righteousness shine like the noonday sun and I myself will be your vindicator. I will open doors that none can shut. I will cause rivers to flow in the barren places and hope to bloom in the desolate spaces. Forest Town, turn your hearts, your minds, your focus, your priorities to me. Let your first love for me be rekindled. And what you have known in the light still stands true in the dark. I commend your perseverance and your steadfastness. But I myself will add fuel to your fire. I will be your sufficiency and your enabling. In your weariness and your busyness, do not forget your maker. I am the first and the last. I am the Alpha and the Omega. And that which I have purposed, I will bring into being. Run with me and see what I will do.